Hi, everyone. Please join me in thanking our new patrons, Kat Hartzell, AJ, and Tamara Relota. Thanks to their generosity, the Patreon has crushed the second goal. This goal was paying for the website's yearly costs. So the podcast host and now the website are paid for entirely by you. Thank you. If you want to join them in supporting the show and unlock patron-exclusive stories and content, go to patreon.com slash khp to learn more. Wow, the Halloween content was a lot of work for me, and I felt burnt out after doing it all. So I took a week off from anything podcast-related. It felt nice to just relax and separate for a bit. During that time... The Patreon passed the second goal, and we surpassed 2,000 downloads. That's about all that's happened since uh, the beginning of October. Now, on to the story. KHP 007 Road They say every town has a road that has reports of strange occurrences happening on it. Here in Pennsylvania, many of these roads are sharp curves that are the cause for horrible car accidents in the past. They are usually nicknamed Devil's Elbow. I know of a few off the top of my head. One outside of Snowshoe, one near Houtsdale, and one a few miles outside of Black Mishannon State Park. All of them have rumors that people have gone missing near them. Deadly crashes from long ago, or strange things that have been sighted near the area. While crashes have probably occurred on these roads, it's probably due to the sharp curve and too much speed paired with too much alcohol. The strange sightings around them are probably fake. My name is Mark Subner, and I want to tell you about my experience on an ordinary road. Not one of those ones of legends. This road is found outside of Reading. I moved to Scarlet's Mill from Harrisburg earlier in the year to get away from the cycle of wake, work, sleep. Wake, work, sleep. Wake, work, you get it. The town's living cost was much less than Harrisburg's, and it made my limited budget go a lot further than I expected it to. I live in a small apartment and currently work as an IT tech for a few small companies in Reading, a 20-minute drive from Scarlet's Mill. And don't call it Scarlet Mill, because the locals will tell you it's Scarlet's Mill. During my time in the area... I made a few friends with the local bartenders. I found through experience that they seemed to know everyone around. And after being at the bar a couple times a week, I met some of the locals. They tell their stories like most do. How they think things were better in the good old days. How today sucks. Political ramblings, the weather, and local gossip. I've heard the entire Wagner story from start to finish about their affairs, drug use, and crimes. 
how Marsha at the gas station is also selling Avon on the side there, like it's her own personal store. And how kids have been trying to get into the old Somerville home, because people claim it's haunted. And it's caused Sheriff Gummo, yes, that's his real name, to pull some long hours to keep them away. This place is a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, but there always seems to be some sort of local rumor to get everyone's attention. It was fall. I was driving early in the morning, and I'm pretty sure it was a Friday, because I was leaving early to hit all of my customers today to make sure they were set up for the weekend. There was a light fog, but nothing that obscured your vision unless you were trying to see across a field or something. I stopped at the gas station, waited the extra minute or two while someone in front of me purchased some non-gas station products from Marsha, and I continued on my way. I was driving somewhere between Scarlet's Mill and the town of Gibraltar when I saw someone standing on the side of the road. Their figure was just an obscured outline in the distance as I drove up towards them. As I got closer, the fog thinned, and I saw that a man was standing there on the side of the road. He had blue pants. Think Dickies or something like that. They weren't denim, or your Sunday best, but somewhere in between. He was wearing a white t-shirt, and I could see that his hair was thinning. He must have been in his sixties or so. As I came towards him, he looked up at the sound of my car a basic run-of-the-mill four-door sedan, and he raised his arm to wave towards me. Not a motion of, hey, pick me up, or a hitchhiker's thumb, or anything. Just a raised arm and a waving hand. I gave a raised hand from the steering wheel to acknowledge the guy, and drove on. He watched my car as I went by, making constant eye contact with me. Even after I passed him, I could see him staring, straight at me, in the rearview mirror, as he slowly became obscured by the fog. I continued on to work, and did my job at a few clients before headed to the bar to grab a drink or two and listen to any new gossip. The Leonard's house had burned down, and it was about the only thing people were talking about. The fire company couldn't get water out of the nearest hydrant, so they had to go much further for water. This got blamed on the water company, who blamed the water operator, who blamed the board of the water company for refusing to purchase hydrant testing equipment for six years. No one knew what was going to happen after that, but lawsuits were threatened, and everyone was angry at everyone. I left the bar and went home for the night, got ready for bed, and fell asleep rather quickly. I don't usually remember my dreams when I have them. But I remember my dream from that night very well, almost as if it were real. The man I saw standing on the side of the road, the one that waved at me, he was there, standing in the fog, staring absentmindedly. I walked up to him and must have caught his attention, because his head suddenly jerked like he was startled, and he looked directly at me. A smile came across this gaunt face, and he just stared into my eyes. Slowly and gently, his arm came up, and he began to wave at me. Slow, 
deliberate waves, taking a few seconds each. The smile in his unblinking eyes disturbed me. I stepped back and began walking quickly away from the man. Every time I looked back at him, he would be in the same exact position. No closer or further away. Just there, waving and smiling at me. Even as the fog made me lose detail, I knew he was there, just waving and smiling. I awoke feeling like someone was watching me. I sat up in bed, looking around the darkness of my bedroom. I was living on the second floor of the building that I was renting, and I knew that no one could be watching me. My windows had curtains, and those curtains were drawn, and my door was shut. I got out of bed and walked to my window, sliding a finger between the curtain and the wall, and opened it just a crack to see outside. I saw my car in the driveway, some empty bushes across the street, illuminated by the street lamp, and a small flashing red light on the telephone pole in the yard that's always been there. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I began seeing other things. The outlines of the bushes, the non-illuminated sidewalk near the street pole. That's when I noticed it. Looking at the sidewalk, I could see the light color of the cement in contrast to the darkness of the light. But somewhere in that lighter color were two dark lines. I looked closer, trying to make out details. When my eyes couldn't see what I was looking at, I grabbed my phone and zoomed in on the weird area, and I took a picture. I opened the photo and chose to edit it and turned up the brightness. As the brightness increased, a figure came into view. It was the shape of a man with, with one arm at his side. The other was in the air, bent as if he was waving. I didn't sleep the rest of the night, which was okay, as I didn't have to work due to it being Saturday. I would check every hour or so to see if the man was still there. I would take a picture with my phone, change the brightness, and see the man looking directly into the camera in the same pose. As dawn approached, I looked outside, the world brightened up slightly by the incoming day. I didn't see the man. I was driving into work the next Monday. It was one of those autumn days where it rains all day. The sky is gray, and everything just seems darker than normal. Like, a flashlight could be somewhat effective anywhere you used it. I had my headlights on. A slight mist rising from the road as I drove towards Reading. As I turned the corner, I realized I was about to drive by the area where I first saw the man. Butterflies rose in my stomach, and my heart began to beat faster. I gripped the wheel tight, ready to speed up and fly past the man if I saw him. I drove, seeing a figure on the small hill in front of me. A woman, sitting on something. I slowed down slightly to get a better look. The woman was sitting on a wooden box. 
one leg over the other, with her hands folded in front of her. She had dark brown wavy hair, pale skin that was accentuated by the color of her dress, which was a full-length dress that was a light blue color, with white lacy shoes. As I came closer, I saw her look up, smile at me, and she unfolded her hands and lightly waved at me, not raising an arm like the man, but kept them near her lap, as if she was waving to me in secret, hoping no one would see. I continued on to work, not seeing any sign of the man that was outside my bedroom window last night. Work was normal, and the bar had a wing special, and I ordered half a dozen mango hab and half a dozen zesty ranch. The lawsuits from the fire weren't amounting to much, as the company had no requirement to actually maintain the hydrants for emergencies. Instead, they were classified as water blow-offs for regular line flushing, and this apparently absolved them of any wrongdoing in the eyes of the law. I don't remember having a dream the night after I saw the woman. Instead, I just woke up in a cold sweat, pulling the blankets around me and drying my face off with one as I went to get a glass of water from the bathroom next to the bedroom. As I came back to my bedroom, my eye caught sight of movement from outside. My curtains were thin, and I could see through them if the light was bright enough. The lamppost outside across the street was illuminating through the curtain. Walking up to the window, I opened the curtain, looked out with one eye, keeping myself as hidden as possible, my car in the driveway, the blinking red light, the street lamp, the bushes. As I looked at the street lamp, I saw a figure run across the light. I couldn't make much out the first time, as I was startled by there actually being something out there. I only saw a general wispy shape fly across the lit area. I sat and watched for another minute before the shape crossed the light again. The dress flowed behind her gracefully but chaotically at the same time as she dashed across the light. The dress now looked more whitish-brown as the orange of the street lamp combined with the blue of her dress. She crossed the light every minute or so. A dead sprint across the light, and then she was out of sight. I tried looking for her when she was outside of the light, but I couldn't see her. She just ran back and forth all night. I guess this was better than a creepy guy waving at me in the darkness. The woman didn't bother me nearly as much as the man did. His gaze felt intrusive sinister. She had a warmness and a sweetness to her when she waved, and she didn't stare at me until I was out of sight. Thursday of that same week, I was headed to work. It was windy, and leaves from the woods around the road were blowing everywhere. I turned the corner of the road and saw in the distance a few people standing on the side of the road. A woman a man, and a child. As I approached, I saw the man had a red shirt 
big beard, and styled hair. He couldn't have been more than 30. The woman had dirty blonde hair, a black t-shirt, and silk shorts on, as if she had just gotten out of bed. The kid, who looked androgynous, had green pajama bottoms and a blue shirt with some cartoon picture on it. They had brown hair that was almost shoulder length. As I drove past, they didn't wave. They just looked at me, a serious expression on their faces. As I passed them, they each stepped out onto the road, the mother and the father on each side, and the child directly in the middle of the road. They stayed like that until I was out of sight. That night, the bar was buzzing about things going on around town. There were two kids from Gibraltar who were caught on the Somerville property and escorted off by Sheriff Gummo. And some guy from Plowville. Yes, it's a real place. Well, this guy from Plowville drove his car off the embankment of the reservoir and nearly drowned. He had a very high blood alcohol level and would have drowned and would have drowned if not for a passerby seeing the bubbles from the car and the lights sinking into the murky depths. The passerby called the cops and grabbed that tool that can cut seatbelts and break car windows before jumping in to save the guy. The cops came and took the guy to the hospital in an ambulance, and I guess he'll be okay. That night, I dreamt of the family that I saw on the side of the road. We were all sitting around a campfire, chatting and laughing, having a good time. The man said his name was Matt Walker. I don't remember the other two telling me their names. We were just chatting at this fire until I noticed an ember land outside of the fire ring and caught some dry leaves that were sitting against the fire ring. Matt stood up and stepped on them. Whatever he seemed to do had no effect on the spread of the fire. It just continued to spread until I stepped away, the heat becoming too much for me. The others seemed to just sit in it while it burned them. Matt eventually stopped and just stood, the solemn expression from on the road on his face again. I woke up from my dream, feeling way too hot. I threw off my heavy blankets and turned on the fan that was next to my bed to cool off. As I turned on the fan, I could faintly smell wood smoke. The people that I saw appeared to me the night after I saw them twice already. I got out of bed, annoyed at this point, and peeked out my window. No waving man, no running woman in the streetlight, and no family anywhere in sight. I looked around for a few more minutes before going back to bed. I did not return to the dreams that I was having. I got up for work, ate breakfast, and gathered my belongings for the day. It was Friday again, and I had gotten an early start to see all of my clients. As I went back up onto the road, I saw the family. Matt, his wife, and child, standing in my neighbor's yard. I pulled forward and slowly drove by them. 
They each looked at me with grim expressions. Matt opened his mouth to yell something, and as he did, black smoke billowed out of his mouth. I was frightened by the sight, and I drove off quickly towards my first client. I arrived home that night. I didn't see the family standing in the neighbor's yard when I turned to my driveway. Opening the door to the stairway of my apartment, something was off. A smell. Something smelled wrong in the house. The feeling put me on edge. I slowly walked up the stairs to my front door, and I slid the key in. As I slid the key in, I knew that I knew this smell from somewhere. I just couldn't place it. I opened the door and peered inside my apartment, seeing it just the way I had left it. The smell was, however, stronger in here than in the hallway. I walked into each room of my apartment and saw nothing out of place, nothing missing, nothing damaged. The smell persisted, though. Could it have been something with the pipes? I put my nose near the sinks and the tubs, and the smell did not seem to grow stronger there. I ate dinner and went to bed, the smell fading as my senses adjusted to it. Nose blindness, I think that one commercial called it. I guess that this was true, becoming accustomed to smells after time. How else would someone like a coroner or a pig farmer get used to those awful smells? I didn't have any dreams that night, for I did not see any strange people during the day. I decided that the next day, Saturday, I would go into Reading to get my mind off things. Go to a cafe, maybe see a movie. As I began to drift off, I heard a strange scuttling sound emanate from somewhere in my room. It sounded like dirt being poured onto the ground, the hiss of the dirt, and the light thudding of the object it was landing on. I got out of bed and walked around, looking for what could be causing the sound. As I walked by the bathroom, I heard it again, louder. I opened the door and stood. I looked around. I saw nothing. Glancing at the toilet, my stomach dropped. Sitting inside the toilet was some of the dirtiest water I had ever seen. Disgusted, I flushed the toilet, only to be met with more dirty water flowing from the tank into the bowl. I opened the tank and saw regular, clear water. Flushing again, once refilled, resulted in regular, clear water. I turned on the sink, making sure that the water hadn't gone bad. The stream of liquid that came out of the sink was normal and clear, filled with bubbles from the aerator in the nozzle. I breathed a sigh of relief. I surmised that the sound must have been the dirty water flowing to the toilet. I would call the landlord and have him take a look when they got the chance. I got back into bed and proceeded to fall asleep. Waking only once the sun had risen and brightened my room to the point that I could not stand sleeping anymore. I rolled out of bed and did my morning routine, preparing for the trip I had planned to Reading. This time, not 
for work-related purposes. As I drove towards Gibraltar and rounded the corner where I had been seeing these people that I'd dreamed about, I noticed something that I hadn't noticed the entire time I had resided there, driving by almost daily, where I had seen each person standing, sitting, or waving, was the entrance to a cemetery. I know that I never saw the graveyard before. I feel like all my time slowing down and looking closely at the people, I would have noticed the red brickwork and the wrought iron fencing arching over the entryway. I pulled off, coming to a stop where I had seen people standing, and just stared. I must have sat there for a few minutes before I was broken out of my trance by a passing truck driving by. I climbed out of my car and felt the cold fall air whipping around me in the breeze as I walked towards the cemetery. I walked up the cement stairs and looked around. Gravestones sat, a few dozen of them, in neat, orderly rows. I began walking through them, just seeing the different names and dates. I must have been about halfway through the rows of tombstones when one caught my eye and I froze. A face stared back at me from one of the stones, laser engraved onto the smooth surface of the stone. Was Matt, his wife, and their child. A family portrait, almost perfect on the stone, that gave me a clear look at each of their faces. They had died only a few years prior. I looked at more of the stones, making notes of names on my phone and dates that were engraved, and went back to my car. I drove to Reading, a new motivation to my outing to the town. I made my way to the closest place with free Wi-Fi, a Dunkin' Donuts. I finally had the realization of the smell that I had smelled in my home. As I walked from the parking garage to the Dunkin' Donuts, I passed a construction site. The smell wafted over me. The sweet, grainy smell of freshly excavated dirt. I sat in the main dining area, searching the internet for each of the names I had taken from the stones. I easily found the recent one about Matt's family. There had been a fire in their home that was extinguished before the house was a total loss. The fire chief had found remains of three inside of the home. Matt woke up to the smell of smoke in the house, and had tried to wake his wife and son, but they had both already succumbed to the smoke inhalation. He was found at the bottom of the stairs, dead, also due to smoke inhalation. Morton Hampton, a cheerful older gentleman that was crossing the street somewhere in Reading. He was waving to someone that he knew before he was struck by a car being driven by a person that was texting, killing him instantly. Susan Velgritter, a woman in her 30s who was killed in the 50s during a shootout with police during a botched robbery. She and the man she was dating were on their way to a movie when a stray bullet hit her. She was taken to the hospital and later died from her injuries. I went to the bar that night 
and after hearing the latest gossip and local news, I asked some of the locals if they had ever been to the cemetery between Scarlet's Mill and Gibraltar. Most looked at me in confusion, others with a curious look. It was hard to tell the two apart. Kid, that cemetery's been gone for years, an older woman named Deb told me. They dug up the bodies and moved them to the church down the road, combined the two cemeteries of old churches that hadn't been around for decades into one. They cleared the area and left it to nature. I got a few more questions from the locals about my motivations for the questions. I had only lived there a short time. How had I heard about the cemetery? Why did I care? Was I trying to write a story for the local news or something? I simply told them that I had just read an article about an old cemetery nearby and wondered if anyone knew where it was, that I enjoyed logging the information on the gravestones in case they were removed, damaged, or eroded, and the group seemed to buy it. I drove past the area again to head home from the local bar. In the time it took me to drink two more beers, I heard the locals talking about more gossip and rumors. I then headed home. I came towards the area where the cemetery used to sit. I slowed and took a wide turn, placing my car across both lanes of traffic and shining it to where the entrance to the cemetery was. As I turned, my lights illuminated nothing but trees and a small opening of woods that was filled with small saplings. I hope you enjoyed this story. Please review the show on iTunes or your podcast provider if they have a rating system. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash khp. The link to all of these will be in the show notes. You can gain access to over five hours of exclusive stories and content for as little as $1 per month. Thanks for listening.